The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And so what if the revolution started with loving yourself, accepting the truth that you are awesomely and wonderfully made, and that doesn't mean you're perfect, that love is a, you know, a, a non-possessive delight in the particularity of the other, and you look in the mirror and you think you're the other you are amazing. God made you. You're fantastic. If you're not a theist, you're still fantastic. You 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 pump blood every day. Your your breath goes in and out. What? What a miracle, right? You you are alive. And you know, you've got gifts. So let's start there. And then let's go to truth. Every single day. Every day. How honest can you be with yourself and the people around you? How much truth can you bear to tell? Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. I am your host, John Williamson, and if you're new here, thank you for joining in on the conversation. If you've been around for a while, then thank you for continuing to support. A few things before we get to this week's episode. The one-stop shop for the podcast is www.thedeconstructionist.com. There you can stream our entire back catalog of episodes, link to us on social media, read the blog, and join our Patreon family where we have all sorts of packages like our popular book club. The theme music is provided by our friend Clay under his moniker Forrest Clay. He just released an amazing new EP about deconstruction called The Recover EP, and it's available anywhere you find your music. I want to say from our very small team here at the Deconstructionist Podcast, a very happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a happy new year. We are, I am, so very, very thankful for all of you. So stay safe during this holiday season, and I'll be back in the new year after our usual January hiatus with brand new conversations. 
This week's guest is a reverend. She's also a doctor. She's a reverend doctor. Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, in fact, who has an amazing new book out that I cannot recommend enough called Fierce Love, A Bold Path to Ferocious Courage and Rule-Breaking Kindness That Can Heal the World. Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis is Senior Minister at Middle Collegiate Church. In her activism, preaching, speaking, writing, and teaching, Dr. Lewis advocates for racial justice, gun control, economic equality, and LGBTQIA rights. Dr. Lewis has been featured on all sorts of shows, including The Today Show, All In with Chris Hayes, The Melissa Harris Perry Show, ABC, NBC, PBS, CBS, and, and many, many more. Her writing has also appeared in Harper's Bazaar, USA Today, Vox, The Huffington Post, and much more. This was easily one of my favorite conversations in the six years of doing this podcast. I sincerely hope that you enjoy it as much as I did, and it brings a little hope to you during this holiday season. So happy holidays, and without further ado, Jackie freaking Lewis. Well, I'm very excited to have this week's guest on uh, the Deconstructionist Podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. Hey, John. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> so my, my dad yelled at me, uh, I have to mention, um, I, I think I said it backwards once. I had a Reverend Doctor on, and I, th- I think I said Dr. Reverend, Ooh. and he, he corrected <laughs> me because he's also a pastor. Oh, and yeah? um so I said, I'm sorry, Dad, but you're probably the only one who knows that that is the correct order. That's so. correct, yeah. <laughs> Lots of people get it wrong all the time. There's, it's both both honorifics, I guess. People are thinking, yeah. put the put put the reverend closer to your heart. I don't know. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, um, so <coughs> you've me. got a new book out. It's called Fierce Love, mm-hmm. and it uh, it's just a beautiful book, beautifully written. Um, if there's one thing I love even more than than good theology, it's uh, a really good personal story that I think uh, is meaningful, and I think it's going to touch a lot of people. So what was your inspiration behind uh, writing this book at this particular moment in time? Yeah, it just was so... <clears throat> the world was on fire. The world was on fire, and I had been cooking this book in my body for some time, and I thought, what's the sermon I can preach? What's the stories I can tell that makes that detoxifies us, John, that makes us think religion's not a weapon, you know, all the people belong to God, love is love is love, let's go. And that kind of love is fierce. So it, then it came pouring out of my body at just this time. Well, I, I love the way that you kind of structure the book too. Here, I've got it in front of me. I'm gonna I'm gonna pop the pop the book open so I can reference it. But the, the you kind of you have it in sections first of all, but then yeah. you also have uh, the chapters in a very intentional order. And you start off with, I think the only way you can start it off with loving yourself unconditionally. Right. And 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 you rightly put in the book that without the ability to love yourself, yep. you can't love anyone else. You have to start there. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, you said your, your dad's a pastor. So, you know, all the world's major religions have a kind of call to neighbor love. Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, 
Rabbi Jesus pulled some Deuteronomy and some Leviticus out to say, love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, do, do unto others as you have them do unto you. Don't withhold from someone that which they need. One tradition says, don't hurt anyone else's heart. What? Well, so how in this construct of love neighbor, love self, where in the Greek language, they're connected by the word os, which is an equal sign, which really pushes us, John, to love your neighbor exactly in the same way you love yourself. How do you know how to love your neighbor if you don't know how to love you? Our culture is all like, that's narcissistic, that's navel gazing, don't do that, don't do that. But guess what? That's not what Jesus said. So all these Christians, like, that's not the thing. You know, we're empty yourself out, pour yourself out, or you're a worm and you don't deserve God's love. And that's why Jesus had to die is because you're a worm. Well, the psalmist says we're wonderfully and awesomely made. Um, Genesis says we're created in the image of God. I'm saying it goes along with our faith that God is inside us. So you kind of got to love you because God's in there. Yeah, and, and the way that you're talking about it, though, is is it's it's not this arrogant sort of uh, uh, selfish love. It's this selfless love. Right. It's this uh, uh, you know love without uh, kind of attachments to yes. it. Or yeah, yeah. Lo- lo- and and love like love you and neighbor equally. You're both important. You both matter. Your self interest and your neighbor's self interest. Um, need to coexist on the planet. And and that's Ubuntu, right? I introduced the concept of Ubuntu in the book, um, which is Zulu, uh, kind of a philosophy that predates Christianity, really. But a person is a person through other people. A human is a human through other humans, because of other humans, right? In, in relationship to other humans. I'm not a single human. We are humanity. And your daughter's Healthcare matters to me. You know, my mother's cancer death, you know, matters to you. We are inextricably connected, and what what affects you affects me. That's King, that's Gandhi, that's Ubuntu, that's Jackie. All of us can thrive if we get that our thriving and our liberation is tied up together. Gosh, and, and what a, a powerful thing to hear right now where it, it feels like we could not, at least in, in America, in the United States, we could not be more divided. Mm-hmm. And and it, and it seems like, at least in the, the political climate and the uh, socioeconomical climate and all these things that have, that we've seen kind of happening around us over yeah. the last several years has really kind of bought, brought to the surface this very ugly, uh, this ugliness uh, in us uh, where... We've seen a lot of, uh, it seems more divided than ever before. You know, we're seeing an inordinate number of people of color uh, being the victims of violence, gun violence, you know, the hands of uh, law enforcement. We're seeing, uh, you know, all sorts of just awful things. And it's sometimes it's hard to watch the news. So how do we get back to the point where we remember that we're all connected in that way? I love the way you use the word remember there. Um, which, you know, has that beautiful double entendre, right, John? Like to remember, to recall, but also to reconnect, remember. The word religion actually means to reconnect as well. And I, I mean, before I say how I think we get back, I think actually it might be important to remember that we, to recall, 
that what's happening now is we're seeing these things. You know, we've got, everybody's a news reporter with their phone. But we, we were, you know, all those days and ways when people were saying, this isn't who we are. It is actually who we are. We actually built this nation on stolen land with stolen labor and built in our DNA. Thomas Jefferson is a founding father, you know, having a suspicion that the black people were not that smart and the Indians were were pretty, but we're not sure. And that all of that kind of xenophobic, racist uh, Unless you're rich, John, and I don't know your story, you weren't on the founders' mind when they built this no. country. I wasn't on their mind. The, you know, my indigenous siblings weren't on their mind. Women weren't on their mind. So we've actually, I think, need to. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to say go back to the future or something. You know, we can, can we regress as a people past the founding of these nations built on war and you know fight. Can we go back, maybe regress back to when we first walked out of the cave into the light and we looked around and went, oh my God, can you make the fire and I'll go get the corn? And, you know, like before we got tribal and we knew we needed each other to survive, that I think is the project. And it is really searching our stories for moments where that was shining clear. Um, how do we get there? Like, remember what it's like when Katrina came and people waited in the water to save each other and even put their lives at risk. Remember what happens when the seniors didn't have any lights during Sandy? Remember what happens when the tsunami comes? Remember how it is when your neighbor doesn't have bread? We, we know how to do this. I think we just have to remember past what we've created to the essential goodness inside each of us that doesn't want our neighbor's kids to be hungry. We don't really want to see people shot to death by cops. We don't really want there to be a, a, a dying earth. So how do, we, how do we live into the future we really want? By remembering that we know how to connect. Yeah, and it's and it's like, how do we do that in a way that doesn't uh, it isn't preceded by some sort of traumatic event? Because right. it seems like, yeah. you know, like hurricanes are like. I remember I'm old enough now to remember, and it's crazy to think that this has been this long ago. But like nine eleven happened, right. and the people just instantly, instantly, right. uh, were arm in arm and and helping one another. And yep. it didn't matter where you were from or how much money you had or what you looked like or what your religion was. Immediately, it's just like we're all. We're all New Yorkers. That's we're all right. Americans. Or like right. we see this in combat, you know, with brothers in arms, as they say, you know, our sisters in arms. And, you know, but how do we do that without like some sort of traumatic event being necessary to kind of bind us all together again? You know, that is that's such a good question. And I write in the book about I write in the book a story about a, a Canadian woman who sees me after a car accident and really, uh, yes. right? Oh my God, the good Canadian. You made me cry at that oh. part in the book, so thank you. <laughs> I, friends who are listening who haven't read yet, I'm, I'm 22 years old and I have a car accident and lucky enough to walk away, but my car is totaled. Uh, the, the man I'm with is stays in the hospital. I don't have any resources really to... Um, to get to take care of myself, I'm crying. She finds me at the phone bank and just like literally, like, what do you need? Food. Let's go to the hotel. Let's pay the bill. Let's, you know, get you to the rental car place. Extraordinary kindness. 
she wasn't in a catastrophe. I was. But to your question, John, when, um, when a little boy's parents don't get home from school and you, though you are exhausted and that mom decides to let that latchkey child hang out with her child, that's not a catastrophe, but they do that. They, she does that. That's awesome sauce. You know, when a child at a, at a table sees the other kid doesn't have any fruit in the basket and they've got two apples and you give one, that's what we're talking about. And I call it, you know, uh, a ferocious kindness, but it also just happens every day. You know, don't mock the woman in the hijab. That's kind. Don't don't um, don't pass on the anti-Semitic slur that you find in social media. Each of us has this capacity to do the right thing that we know is the right thing. And when we do that, before the tsunami, we're growing this muscle, right? Of I see you. Rabbis say uh, the ethical life is learning how to see. To just look over there and notice, like, hey, you know, John's daughter sitting on the. It hasn't been picked up yet. Get Take her home, you know? Um, I think we know how to do that, and we just have to practice it, which is why I tried to write practical steps in this book of stories. Yeah, I, I love that. And that story is so powerful because it, the other takeaway that I had from it is in this moment where you are kind of putting on this brave front, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in this moment where you're, you're you're trying your best to put on this brave face, uh, and the people who are supposed to be, you know, your strength and the people that you can lean on, they're not there. But right. there's this good Samaritan woman who pops up who has yeah. no reason to stop and mm. to show you this just infinite kindness. Um, I mean, she more than goes out of her way. Yes. And you hope that if you're in a situation, too, that someone, you know, is there for you. But this complete stranger is the one who ends up being there for you in your moment of need. That's right. And I think, you know, um, our, our, our Jewish brothers and sisters, I'm not going to say the number right, but how many times the Jewish scriptures say, you shall love the stranger because you were once a stranger. So this, so this idea of uh, neighbor as even stranger, um, my friend Valerie Kaur, also in her book, See No Stranger, the Sikh tradition says that. So there's a way in which I mean, I think I'm not being ambitious when I say, love your neighbor. And I think I'm not being ambitious when I say, increase your tribe. Because all those humans, all those humans are your neighbor. The, the hungry kid in Appalachia, the kid sleeping under a foil blanket in a you know detention center, which is a site of terror. Um, the old woman who is being beaten by a man because... She's Chinese, and I mean, all of those people are your neighbor, and so also, ugh, also those people who are anti-vaxxers, they're your neighbor too. How do we stay in relationship with these folks who are different than we are, whoever they are? Um, it is a challenge, to be honest, right, for all of us, but it's the challenge that is the saving challenge, I think. It's the rule-breaking kindness that is going to heal the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it is there. We are definitely in trying times where, you know, families are having a tough time, especially as we get close to the holidays, Mm -hmm. you know, this will come out kind of in between the major holidays. And, uh, you know, a lot of people listening are probably making preparations to go home and see their parents who they might not agree with politically or, you know, (laughs) religiously, you know, and, It's it's going to take a lot, but I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it's it's all in the conversation and and keeping 
the dialogue open. Yep. You know, I think as soon as we shut down and we stop talking to one another, that's where the problems begin, you know? Yes. And, you know, there's all kinds of tools for conversations, having the hard conversation, the diff- nonviolent communication we can find. I know that I broke my rules the other day. I was talking to my brother-in-law about climate change. <laughs> I really <laughs> love him. And, I, and he said, da, 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 da. and I went, I absolutely disagree with you. Okay, that's not, <laughs> that was not the muscle I wanted to exercise. You yes. know, and I found myself really wanting to come back to him, you know, with, you know, I, I feel strongly about this and you do too, but right here we agree we need more science. And right here we agree that there is, um, we don't want people funded by self-interest groups to do this work. We're going to have some neutral people to tell us the way forward. And, you know, at a dinner table, if someone was calling someone the F word for gay or anything like that, I might say, I strongly disagree and and still love them, you know. Uh, So we can be honest and we can stay in relationship and we can be uh, courageous as we confront uh, uh, the, the what we feel to be a dissenting opinion, but that doesn't mean we need to like break in the capitals and stuff and you know knock stuff down. <laughs> you know, we yeah, can, we, yeah. We can, you could like it's okay to have a good argument, but let's try to like respect the humanity of the other while we argue as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean I think a large part of that comes back to this desire to shove everything into this very dualistic kind mm-hmm. of view of life. But right. the fact of the matter is life is messy and it's gray yes. and it's complicated. Right. And, you know, and we are not, we're not simple, you know, beings, you no. know, there's, you never know, as they say, what someone else, what wars they're fighting, you know? Uh, and so, it, you know, it becomes very easy, you know, just to shut somebody off and cut right. them off based on something they've said. But there's there's probably a lot more to unpack there than we're giving them credit for, even if we disagree. I think that's right, John. And I think, you know, what's fierce about love, if it's love, and I, you know, I love my sister's husband, Larry. He's a great man. He's such a good guy. But when love is fierce, it might need to pursue uh, reconciliation. It might, you know, I, I have a friend who had a tough upbringing um, with her dad and had some tough times with my dad and my friend, I love her and she kind of chooses like, yeah, my dad's not, I'm not, I don't need that. And that's her choice. I would say to anyone listening, if your relationship makes you unable to love yourself, if you are in a relationship in which you can't love yourself, well, I'm not saying stay in there and like hang in there and keep going after that, that, that feels a little bit sort of not, it's not the healthiest thing. But my love for my dad, where we've had bumps, bumpy is my euphemism for hard. I wanted to have a dad. And so I, you know, did, you know, pushed hard, shoved hard, said the things, you know, threw down the boundaries. And we have I love him so much. We, I was in Chicago last week and uh, had to rush in and do a, a meeting. And when I came out, my dad has set a table before me, like a Eucharistic meal of fried chicken and potato salad and coleslaw <laughs> and a glass of rosé because he loves his daughter and I love Aww. my dad. And we just got it right between us, you know, by working it out. And so that I... That's fierce. 
Yeah. I mean, in that chapter, there's, you tell that story about your relationship with your, with your dad and it's very, very powerful. Mm-hmm. Specifically the part where you're, you get to the point where I think in the story you had just gotten your PhD yes. and you're like, damn it, I'm proud of this, you know, and yep. you should be, that's, that's no small accomplishment. And your dad kind of makes some mistakes, you know, and, and you finally, you have this moment, this confrontational moment, but it's, but it's, it's speaking love through truth. That's, ooh, that's good. I'm going to still In a way John. that's just so, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, still, thank you. <laughs> speaking love through truth. Yeah. But, but there's, there's some, there's something to that. And you talk about that. And I think it's uh, the, like the second chapter yeah. where sometimes that's important. Sometimes loving someone is being honest with them, but in it, I mean, you were very, uh, you said things in a very firm, but constructive way. It wasn't being a jerk, yeah. but it was being very, very truthful and saying things that probably the other person needed to hear. I think my dad would say I was being a jerk, but I wasn't being a jerk. <laughs> Daddy, was I being a jerk? Fair. I, but, I, but I think, I mean, because it was startling to him, right? But the yeah. way I knew that it was right is, the, what is his response the next morning. Like, I'm sorry. I don't want that. I'm sorry. And what I want to say to people listening, you know, just like Christianity and faithy places don't teach us to love ourselves, we also say the truth will set us free, but we spend a whole lot of time helping people construct personas and false selves that are not true at all. How are you feeling today? Great. Really? <laughs> you look like sh- crap. You know, like, you, I don't think you're doing you well. You can say the other one. That's fine. You, know, you look like shit. So, so what, what, about if, what about if we taught our children? You say your daughter's you know, eight. What if we taught our children because they're watching? You can be mm. honest uh, my grandbaby is is uh, is three and a half, and she's got feelings. Her her name is Ophelia, and we think it stands for feel feelings. And she um, <laughs> she has learned to say, "I'm having a tough time," mm. because her mom and dad and they amaze me with this. They both work; they could be tired, but when she's having a moment, they look at her and they say, "It looks like you're having a really tough time right now." So good on them. So I called, I called them the other day and was FaceTiming, and I said, Ophelia, how's your brother? He's younger. He's having a hard time today. Good. <laughs> Isn't that okay? You That's don't, real. You don't have to be shiny. You could be having a hard time. You could disagree. You could say, I don't like that. You could say, that really hurt my feelings in the most nonviolent way possible, but like tell the truth because yeah. the truth will build our muscle of like um, respect for each other and we can't have reconciliation without the truth. You just cannot have it. Yeah, and, there, and you just made me think of something too. It's funny. I, I I remember the first time I got to go to Europe, I was like so excited, you know. And and I'm talking to. I was genuinely interested in uh, kind of the view of Europeans of Americans, you yeah, because we'd always heard kind of negative things like Americans kind of are obnoxious travelers, that sort of thing, you yep. know. <laughs> yeah. So I had some really interesting conversations at the time. I was in my 20s and we were mm-hmm. staying in some youth hostels. And so I was surrounded by people from all over the world mm-hmm. and had some really neat conversations. But one of the things they said that they thought was really weird was the fact that they felt Americans were fake because they're like, no one's that happy all the time. Like wow. we say, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Even if their world's falling apart. Yeah. Mm, and that's I thought about that and I thought, you know why? It's because we we don't train our children, we don't train ourselves right. to be equipped with a truthful answer. That's right. You know, if somebody says, I'm having a bad day, you, you want to run away. You're like, right. I don't want to hear about your bad day. Yep. 
And we do the same thing. We talked about this on the podcast with grief. You know, we mm-hmm. push people through their grief because we're not equipped to handle someone else's That's grief. That's good, That's right. That's right. And so what if the revolution started with loving yourself, accepting the truth that you are awesomely and wonderfully made, and that doesn't mean you're perfect, that love is a, you know, a, a non-possessive delight in the particularity of the other, and you look in the mirror, you think you're the other, you are amazing, God made you, you're fantastic. If you're not a theist, you're still fantastic. You, you, you pump blood every day, your, your breath goes in and out, what? What a miracle, right? You, you are alive, and you know, you've got gifts. So let's start there, and then let's go to truth every single day, every day. How honest can you be with yourself and the people around you? How much truth can you bear to tell? So you have no, but my uh, Spanish-speaking friends, no tengo, no tengo un pelo en la boca. No tengo un pelo en la boca. I don't have a hair in my mouth. Because I'm telling the truth. (laughs) Just tell it. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Isn't that good? Just do it. No one's going to die. Well, they might die, but... Right. They might I think we could use a little more truthfulness, you know, like we sh- we could use a little more honesty in our lives. And, and I think some part of that too, I think is that I, I think there's this expectation that we place on ourselves where right. if, if we hear the truth from, from someone right. that they need something in return, yeah. uh, that's extravagant. And it's not. And most of the time, somebody who's having a bad day doesn't, they don't want you, they don't need your advice. They don't need you to fix it because yeah. most of the time you can't. Yeah. They just want someone to listen yep. to say, you know what? I'm so sorry. That really sucks. Yep. You know, that's and, right. or a hug. You that's know, right. that's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> My mother was the best. I'm just going to listen to you now, she'd say. And she would just mm. listen. And man, like that's the gift. When we go to seminary, we're taught to be a kind of non-anxious presence and just listen. I'm saying it's okay to be an anxious presence too and just listen. Like, you know, yeah. you could say, I... That is hard for me to hear how much you're hurting. But I'm just going to sit here anyway. I, I, I'm saying I'm too old right now to pretend like I'm going to be dishonest. I just can't do it. I'm stealing that one. <laughs> you know, like, I can't do it. I, just don't have, I don't have a container for not truth right now. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um one of the other things I loved in your book, and I think this is getting around closer to the middle of the book here, so we talk about the importance of uh, of tribes and family, and, mm-hmm. and it reminds me of it rem- reminded me of one of my favorite books uh, by a um, author named Dr. Jacqueline Bussey, mm. uh, where uh, Love Without Limits yes. was a book that she Love wrote that a couple book. years ago. Yeah. She's great, um, and uh, she talks about sometimes your family. I think she calls it uh, Framley sometimes, <laughs> if that sounds right. right. I can't remember. That's right. I'm sorry, Jacqueline, if I'm messing that up. But it, but the the essentially the idea behind it is that, you know, and you mentioned this in your book as well, is, is we're all human beings. We're all going to fail each other at yes. some point or another, right. you know. So let's just get that out of the way. I will fail everyone in my life at some point, you yeah. know. Um, and sometimes, you know, you have to set boundaries mm-hmm. because sometimes relationship with your biological family is just not a healthy thing That's right. uh, That's right. to have. That's right. But sometimes your family can look a little different. It can be your community or, yep. or whatever your tribe is that you've created around you. Yeah. So talk about how, how important is, is that? Community to me, I think, is, is, is yeah. huge. I've, it is, John. And, you know, there's something, I mean, 
there there is maybe I'm kind of picking up a couple of threads of the things we idealize. So we idealize, you know, two parents and a partridge and a pear tree and some kids. But because but sometimes things don't work. You know, you you you, you know people break up. Then sometimes they outgrow each other. Sometimes you need to get out because something's violence to your soul, if not to your body. Relationships, marriages. Sometimes kids are not going to get along with their parents when they get older. They're just not. And sometimes like the best thing in the world is to take a break. All of those things are true. But that doesn't mean we don't need family. Family, as Jacqueline says. So we, you make your own family. I tell the story of a guy in my church, um, Marty, who, um, you know, leaves Boston and comes to New York and has all these young actors and singers and stuff like living together and sleeping on floors, but feeding each other and celebrating when somebody got a gig, let's go, we're good. <laughs> you, you need that. I pick up family every town I've lived in and sometimes I've, I've let them go again. Relationships have a beginning, a middle and an end. It's a story mm. and they change you. So could we just not should on ourselves about what we should do about these relationships and instead be brave and sort of, um, and again, that self-love, not selfish, not narcissistic, but if at the center of the decisions you're making is I am worthy of peace and joy and happiness and love. I am lovable. I am loving. I deserve that. I think the, and so do they, right? Like, so it's like I do and so do they. And that 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 kind of both andness is, I think, would guide us where we shop, how we spend our money, what kind of social media we consume, what, how we really live our lives. I'm worthy, and so are they. My kids deserve a school, good schools. So do they. I deserve clean water. So do they. I deserve enough. So do they. I am enough, and so are they. Disagree. Agree. Which human being doesn't deserve to thrive? So if that's our guiding ethic, I think that's fierce love. And it isn't fancy. It just is not tepid. You know, it isn't for the weak. It's like, damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I got to like back up here and respect the differences of us. And see if we can make a planet where Republicans and Democrats can find a way to not blow up the world. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yes. Uh, I, I want to... There's one quote in your book that I, I, I definitely I want to I want to read right now because please do. 
I think if you're already on the fence about buying this book, this is going to put you over the edge right here. So (laughs) (laughs) I saw this quote. I've highlighted it in orange. You can see it. Wait, let me take a picture of it. (laughs) I'm not kidding. I saw a lot of people who like have highlighted their books. I just got my book, so I haven't highlighted my book. Can I take you too? Is that okay? Oh, sure. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Fantastic. Okay. so yeah, so I, I people people know me well enough by this point. I have this massive library, and they can always tell which copies are mine because they're just draped in a highlighter. But um, <laughs> so anyway, so there's this there's this <coughs> quote that 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 you have in here that I think just I mean really just sums up the book. And you say, if you want to know what love looks like, Rabbi Jesus is saying, here it is: love crosses borders and boundaries. Mm. It makes new cultural rules. It cares for the stranger. Love turns strangers into friends. Fierce love is rule-breaking, border-crossing, ferocious, and extravagant kindness that increases our tribe. I mean... Yeah, that's it. Bam! Mic drop! Powerful. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. I'm glad you read that one. That's good. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I I, I look at all of my... All all of my favorite authors, you know, who, who talk you know, who speak on the topic of love, you know, like, uh, I know you, you also appreciate uh, who we finally call Papa Bear Roar. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, Richard goodness. Roar. Yeah. I swear. And I, and I'm still trying to find it. Um, I swear on in an interview somewhere in the last 10 years, he said something to the effect of love is one, the, is one of the only things that you can't keep to yourself because oh. when you do that, it ceases to exist mm. for love to exist. You have to constantly give it away. Oh yeah. He did say that. I thought, that's the most selfless thing imaginable. That's right. (laughs) You know? That's right. Yeah, that's right. And I feel like what you read that I wrote, I hear it in my head and I think it feels so true. And it feels like something I learned really in my experience along the way that it wasn't like, oh, wake up in the morning and go, this is what it is. But the way that that good Canadian, the way that Linda Sarsour, I'm going to name her, and Sharon Browse spoke together at the Women's March because one of them is a Jew and one's a Palestinian and they have totally different politics. The way that, um, the way that my dad, who's a certain kind of older black guy who doesn't think children should talk back, has, has been sassed by all of his children. Uh, all of us have talked back and have taught him how to mother us, you know, in my mother's death. The way that lovers will break up but still raise children. Those, all those rules we break, that rule-breaking, crossing the border, crossing the boundaries, that is why Rabbi Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan. A hated, mixed-race person is the one who knows how to cross the street to help the man be well or to not cross the street, right, and leave them there. And this Canadian crosses the boundaries to me. So we cross the boundaries to each other in this conversation. We don't know each other, and we develop rapport, and we talk. You know, um, a helping professional crosses the boundaries to save somebody with COVID. That love just has to take a risk. Yeah, it's, love Love in that way is, is uh, it's dangerous. Yes, it you is. Know? It is the most yeah. dangerous thing of all, and that's why... There's been so much energy to segregate us, mm. to keep the gays out of church, to keep the women out of the pulpit, to keep, you know, like God forbid yeah. that we mix it up together. Which is, it's, it's so confounding to me because I look back at, you know, I, I, I look at the, the New Testament specifically and I say, and I look at the teachings of Jesus and I'm like, 
how, how are we acting in such a way and, and blatantly ignoring what Jesus was talking about? Because when he's talking about the neighbor, he's not talking about your white neighbor. You know, first of all, Jesus was brown. Hello. You know? Oh, my God. <laughs> when the white people know that Jesus was brown. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> exciting. <laughs> right. It's like, and he certainly wasn't just talking about other brown people. He's talking about all of God's children. Exactly. Like, uh, how it could how not be simpler. Happen? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a really important thing. That's the we're gonna write that book next. How yes. how does the church whiten up Jesus to the point where white supremacy is all up in Christianity? Like what? Is that Constantine? Does it happen all along the way? But I think there's some I mean, I wrote this book. I'll make you laugh, John. I'll tell you, I'm often on the nice white people tour. This is what I say about myself. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing today? I'm on the nice white people tour where I've been asked to come and look, look, Jackie will talk to us about racism and she won't make us feel terrible, you know? Oh, gosh. <laughs> but but, but I, I don't want people to feel terrible, but I do want everyone who listens, everyone who buys the book, people who don't think they know that they need the book to buy the book and to think to themselves, we can make it better. We just can. Yeah, and, and like <laughs> that 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 segues nicely into uh, uh, chapter six, where you talk about you know the t- I mean the chapter title says it all. Think inclusively; they're your people too, which is exactly what we're talking right. about. It's like, gosh, when when did we you know again? I mean, it comes back to this this sense of tribalism, certainly, but this idea <laughs> that you know uh, I don't know. I think. It always comes back to history for me. That's my understanding. It is. Grad- no, it is. Oh, yeah, it is history, right, John? And, and, and in the beginning, you know, most people don't know this who, who don't study history, but even, even some of the policies we had in the United States going back uh, not that long ago, historically speaking, <coughs> there was even debate over what was considered white. You know, because it's oh, yeah. Italians. Nope, Italians are not They're white. Not That's white. not what we're talking about. It's like, wow. Anglo-Saxon yeah. Protestants, period. Right. Yeah, it's it's remarkable. And then all those other ethnicities begin to pass as white. Yep. And let go of their right and let go of their ethnic. I read an article one time, white means never having to say you're ethnic. Yeah, yeah. It's like right. who are you? Greek, Roman, you know, German? So so our aim, those of us who just even a little bit know that we're in trouble, we have to Start thinking, brother, sister, relative, in a non-binary way, of all the people. When that Chinese woman is getting stomped on the street, she's not kind of like your auntie, she's your auntie. Yeah. When that, when that kid is under a blanket, cold, and away from his mama, that kid is your kid. And that senior is your grandparent, and that trans kid that's struggling is your is your cousin. I mean, come come on, people. There, there's just not enough planet for us to stay in our silos and not find our way to each other and find our way to say, I only am going to make it through this time if. You also make it through this time. The life I want is a life in which you thrive as well. Yeah. Uh, and it, 
it's interesting too because uh, not only not only are we seeing kind of um, you know uh, some of these social justice issues come to the forefront you know uh, in in recent history and 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 kind of political unrest and and all these different things going on, but then we get hit with this very unique kind of circumstance. We get hit with a pandemic, right? Uh, right. And so now we find ourselves like less so now, but you know, go back a year, year and a half ago, uh, in this kind of isolation, yeah, uh, which kind of compounds a lot of these these issues. Yep. And so, um, so leading all that to say, chapter eight, you talk about find joy purposefully, <laughs> and I'm like, gosh, like even harder, even easier said than done <laughs> right. these days, yeah. you know. So, like, what are some things you know? Talk about first of all, talk about you know what what you mean by that, but. Yeah. Uh, Maybe talk about some things that, how do you go about doing that yeah. faced with kind of the obstacles that we find ourselves with these days? Yeah. I, I was in a conversation earlier today about the difference between happiness and joy. And I want to say, let that go, everybody. Like, don't, don't worry about that so much right now. Uh, I was <laughs> anticipating these questions on the road and I was looking up happy and looking up, you know, happy. The word happy in the Greek is the word that's in the Beatitudes for blessed. Blessed, happy. Why? And I, I think this is right, John. That this sense is that the people who are blessed. So, like, I'm blessed. I have a house. You know, that that this the 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 the, the blessing that is conferred from belonging, from having what you need, right? From being a part of a citizenry. That's what's. That's the word in the Roman context. The Greco-Roman context is. Oh, I'm not a serf. I'm blessed. I have what I need. Wow, what? Who could? So don't be trying to tell me happy is light and fluffy and joy is deep and you can have it in suffering. Like, how about everybody is happy and joyful at the same time because we make it better? This is what I'm talking about. I don't want us to slide into like those poor, struggling Appalachian children, but sing so well in the great harmony because they're, they have joy anyway. No. <laughs> let's let's have everybody have enough that they can be joyful and happy and happy and well and and so that's one thing I, I, I digress to me to me the joyful thing the happy thing whatever that is is to noticing yourself when you have it like I laugh all the time my husband is funny my grandchildren are funny I, I, I cultivated a laughing self in my family context which wasn't always easy but my siblings and I laugh. We laugh, laugh, laugh hard. Is it hereditary? I don't think so. But the, 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 to cultivate joy in our young people is to celebrate when, they, when they're joyful. Notice it, right? Notice it and affirm it. Uh, Ophelia loves to dance. She's joyful. You name it. Like you name good. Like you name smart. You know? And that becomes a value in a family. So Gabby and Joel, my kids cultivate joy in their little ones. You know, they have dance night, you know, they, they play, they laugh, they tickle, um, and, and, and joy is contagious. So that's for our little people. For us, me, I love cooking with John. We fight about who gets to cook. We, whose turn is it? Wow. <laughs> it's, it's the transitional space between work and play. I love, yeah. I love sitting in the hot tub. I love walking on the beach. I love the taste of a, one of those black seedless grapes. Oh my goodness, John, what? Those big ones without the seeds that are so sweet, you think, what in the world? Or those little tiny champagne ones, you know? <laughs> so when you, when, since I love a grape, a, eating a grape is going to be a ritual. It's not going to be like I'm throwing it in my mouth. I'm going to bite that grape slowly and let the 
stretching of the skin that finally breaks remind me of who picked that grape and the sun that shined on the grape and how that grape is making, is, and it's going to have some cheddar cheese chasing it, woo, right? <laughs> so this is, this is what it is, to notice it. Um, I talk about black joy in the book. Maybe this is something that happened. You know, if you can survive being kidnapped and coming across an ocean, packed like sardines in the bottom of a boat and still know how to dance and still know how to sing and still know how to play the drums, I, I think it's inside us. And I would say, look at the Irish. You know, look at, look at, look at Latinx culture. You know, all cultures have joy in it. And if we squash it out because we don't value it, that's that's how we end up with you know um, a kind of stoic, fake um, distance from ourselves. But if we curate it, cultivate it, um, like Rumi says, when you do something from your soul, it's a river, it's a joy. This is a spiritual practice, John, that I'm inviting our listeners into. Uh, I love everything you just said because <clears throat> the first thing I thought was. Uh, in, in order to even be aware of joy that might be already happening is, yeah. is, is being more present is being That's right. uh, more in the moment. And then the second part of it that I, that I really love that you said, you know, when you're talking, talking about the grape is, is not only being aware and, and, uh, and, and present in the moment, but also just slowing down yeah. to enjoy the things that you recognize that bring you joy. Right. And making time, right? I mean, this whole yeah. kind of self There's intention behind has it. has to be intention. So you play with your daughter, and what mm-hmm. is the ritual, and how does it go? And, you know, what's bath time? What's bedtime? You know, how, how do we stop to say laughter, joy, pleasure will increase our longevity. It will give us stamina for the race that we're running. Gots to have some joy. Gosh, that's so funny. I, that brings me back to uh, a conversation I had with my with my therapist years ago, <clears throat> and it, it made it, what you just said made me think about uh, two things. Actually, one, we're, we're very intentional about other things yep. in life and making time and and making sure that we do this thing or whatever. Like I'm intentional about mowing my grass. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's like <good. laughs> every week on Friday night. You know, or Friday after I get off of work, I mow my lawn. You know, so why would I not do the same thing? Uh, in terms of things that bring me joy, yeah, and and like it's funny. The other thing that made me you made me think about was, uh, you know, I remember my therapist was talking to me about uh, as you get older and you have kids, uh, it, making time for sex. <laughs> yes, is, he was like putting that on the calendar. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what do you mean? He's like, trust me. He's like, <laughs> he's like, it's important. You put it on the calendar, and then like if you don't. And it wasn't so much just the act of sex necessarily. It was just the fa- the act of of being intentional about it and making time for for the thing. Yep. But uh, that makes it more likely to happen. Exactly. Uh, and by the way, ah, sex too, right? I mean, it is joy- right. is a joyful connection. Hopefully, absolutely with with somebody that makes you feel really good afterwards or during. Right. right? So, <laughs> so it is. It is that. It's exactly that. What's the What's the table look like when you eat dinner? You know, what's the, yeah. what colors make you happy? What smells make you happy? I walk in my sister-in-law's house, Dee Dee, and she like, you're like, what is so, smells so good in here. She just has those plug-in beautiful smells in every room and you, yeah. it does elevate your mood. I'm like, I'm buying yeah. some of those. That is good <laughs> stuff. <You know? laughs> 
It's pumpkin spice That's everywhere. Right, everywhere. <laughs> exactly. Or whatever. But, yeah. yeah, pumpkin spice. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Well, um, I, I know we're getting close to the end of our time here, but uh, so I wanted to leave room for you to uh, to kind of uh, have the final have the final word. So what, what else, like, what's the takeaway? Like, what do you want to leave people with uh, mm. when they finish reading this book? John, I, I want people to feel I am absolutely being polemic. I am being argumentative. I am being, <laughs> I am proselytizing. <laughs> I am trying to cajole you, convince you to come on a journey about love. I, I don't really care if you're a Christian or a Jewish, Buddhist, Buddhist, Muslim, Jubu, humanist, atheist, you, you, I don't care. I don't care. I think that love is the answer. I really do. And I'm not talking codependent love song love. I'm talking fierce, heart-stretching, demanding love that requires courageous, courageous confrontation, that requires ferocious courage that requires the kind of kindness that breaks rules and crosses borders and boundaries. And get with me on that. Get with each other on love. We just don't have a choice. What kind of people will we be if we don't love each other into healing? This is, this is what I want people to think of and it requires a certain kind of sight. You gotta see the other as a part of you so that you can heal the world together. Ah, I love that. Perfect place to end. <laughs> Good job. Thank you so much for coming on. You are Thank an you. absolute joy. I you think are. the theological term is badass. Oh, no, that's but, right. Know. That's right. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, the book is absolutely amazing. So before you go, though, tell people where can they get a copy yeah. of the new book yeah. and where can they stay up on top of uh, everything that you're up to? Yeah. So Fierce Love officially drops on November 9, um, as we're recording, uh, but it is available for pre-order now. So whenever you hear this, you'll be able to go to your bookstore link and find this book. And it'll come to you. You can get it on um, on the Kindle. You can get it on the audio book. You can get a hard copy so you can highlight it like John likes to do. Uh, follow <laughs> me at JackieJLewis.com. Uh, I'm also at MiddleChurch.org. But the book is easily found there. There's all kinds of resources we've made, calendars and book club stuff, so that we can go on this fierce love journey together. I'm at Rev Jackie Lewis everywhere. So just Google Jackie Lewis. And there's another lady whose paint's named Jackie Lewis. I'm not her. She's white. I'm black. You'll know it's me because I'm the black one with the dreadlocks. I think she's also Australian. Yeah. She is, right? right? You know who it is. So just just come come on this fierce love journey, everyone, with us. And I'm, I'm counting on us to make the world better for each other and our kids. Well, we're with you. Uh, I love the book. People, go out and get it. Thank you, John. Uh, <laughs> thank you again. I know this was for people listening. We talked about this before we started recording. This is your fourth podcast today, so yes, uh, <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I appreciate this. So, well, um, so thanks for spending some time with me. What a lucky woman to be to be sought after in podcast them. You know, this is really, oh, I feel really lucky. So you're thank natural you. at this. Yeah. So yeah, uh, come back anytime. This has been amazing. Thank so. you, John. Blessings to you. Thank you. John was young and driven with a heart of gold.
church he could go home Made a living, giving, dying folks a shoulder and a hand Until he told his leaders that he had some feelings for another man And they said, John, you must go Take your broken heart and walk it to the door We know you're hurting And you've been giving But now you're damaged goods And you gotta give some more John, we love you But we can't love you You must go Jan could sing a song and channel the divine Spent a decade sharing it and kept herself in line Until her eyes began to see the light inside the dark Then the floor of all she thought Jane was born with skin darker than her peers Spent a cycle telling them the reasons for her fears No one seemed to know or care about the past Then they showed her where she stood So go away.
How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.